What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Roaring Repeater Podcast here on 7220sports.com. I am Cody Tucker, joined in studio today by Jared Newland. Uh, we haven't talked to you in a while, been a little busy, so... Um, we thought we'd put a bow on the college basketball season. Nets cut down last night in New Orleans, Kansas, with the biggest comeback in championship game history over North Carolina. Uh, great tournament all the way around. I thought it was a lot of fun, a lot of intrigue. St. Peter's was an awesome story. Um, really wild to think about, Jared. You and I have talked about we thought North Carolina was maybe one of those teams that they won at Duke at the end of the year, and we thought, oh, God, did that just seal Wyoming's fate? And then Michigan getting in, we thought, oh, my God, they make it to the Sweet 16. It's really all about getting hot at the right time, and unfortunately for your Wyoming Cowboys, that was not the case. They got cold at the wrong time, uh, but they did get in, and, of course, what a ride it was. Uh, I've seen people, surprisingly, I know you've seen it too, Jared, people griping about this team and and finding any way to bitch about this team. It's really frustrating because you're not going to get that out of me. I know we're not going to get that out of you. This team arrived way ahead of schedule. And as we always talked about, old teams win in March, especially old teams at mid-major programs. Exactly. And nobody can look back on the 21-22 Cowboys and say it was disappointing. They were picked tied for eighth in the Mountain West Conference, (laughs) and they made it to an NCAA tournament. And they lost the freshman of the year in the conference the year before that the entire offense went through. And, you know, I know people were upset about it being so much Maldonado and EK there at the end, but you got to dance with who brung you, right? And and they did it all year long. Yeah, and, and teams did figure it out. They figured out that one-two punch, and they got out on Drake better. And plus they were playing, if you look at the NCAA tournament, they were playing a Big Ten team yeah. that is just more talented than the Cowboys just yeah face it that those were the facts right there but at the same time I'm going to look at this team as one of the greatest really one of the greater stories in Wyoming basketball because of where they were picked where they finished and the start they got off to I mean yeah it was 25 wins total at one point you thought that 30 was a possibility that's crazy crazy. (laughs) there were games I know this is nuts but there's games I'm watching even on the road which as a guy who's followed this program my whole life Road games have not been kind to Wyoming basketball in our history. Um, there were points this year where I said, this team may never lose again. It doesn't matter that they're at Fresno State. It doesn't matter they're in Logan right now, in yep. Reno right now. They're going to win this game. They're going to find a way. And those are three places they did go in yeah. and win. Yeah. And you and I even texted late in games like, are you worried about this? Yeah. And it was like, no. No. And it was only a three, four, five point game. <laughs> yeah. And we, you and I never thought that there was a chance the Cowboys no. were going to lose. How crazy is that? I mean, even think back to the Marcus Bailey days and stuff like that. You're like, oh boy. Oh, you're biting your fingernails. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this, one's get, this one's getting dangerous. And to think about Fresno State, that's one of the main ones that sticks out to me. Orlando Robinson's an amazing player. And they have some really good role players on that team. It's at Fresno. No biggie. Just never felt that. I never felt that. Like, even San Jose State would have been a scary proposition at some points in the Cowboys' history where you're like, oh, God, trap game. You knew you better walk out of there with a 20-point win, and that's exactly what they quietly did. And the Fresno game in Laramie was actually more nerve-wracking <laughs> oh, than man. the game in in Fresno. <laughs> was it Because ever. what was on the line. Yeah. Because if the Cowboys lost that game in Laramie against Fresno State, that at large bid was not going to happen. Yeah, they would have had to – maybe make it to the finals of the Mountain West I mean, they might yeah. have had to win the whole damn yeah. thing at that point. I mean, really, that would have been a devastating loss. And then you flip the script to what 
we talk about with North Carolina being on the bubble going into that last weekend of regular season play. They had one quad one win. Yeah. Going into Duke. They sure did. And I heard them rattle off the teams that they lost to um, early in the season, like by 20 points and more Yeah, early on. And then they were down to Pittsburgh at home by 20 points and came back and miraculously won. And that probably is the game that maybe turned it around for the Tar Heels. Yeah. But what Hubert Davis did with that team incredible, is unbelievable. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it really is. What and, a great story they are. And you look at that roster and you're like, how in the hell did they lose by 20 points to whatever team it was? You know, right. it was like that team was so good at the end of the year. It was a complete 180 compared to where they were yep. earlier. In the they game. got hot at the right time. And, you know, and you can look at that jersey and hate them like I do with most Blue Bloods. But if you get down to the nitty gritty of who that team was and what they went through this year, pretty good story. And how can you not like Hubert Davis? Yeah. Oh, man. I love his emotion. Oh. He's He's good stuff. He, I was just looking at the top 25 highest paid coaches in college basketball. Hubert Davis is not on that list for now. He will be. The head coach at Northwestern's on that list. Maryland's on that list. There's some guys on there. TCU is in the top 10. The guys like that where you're like, what? And Hubert's you, about to get paid. You automatically think, too, at a program like North Carolina that they're going to be in the top 10. Just yeah. that's what they pay. That's the going rate to be at that school. But Absolutely. obviously, a rookie coach show never me. did it before. Yep, show me, yep. and then we'll pay you. Speaking of young head coaches and show me, Jeff Linder showed Tom Berman and showed Wyoming that he deserved a raise and a promote and a uh, some years added to the end of his contract, and that's exactly what he got. He got a nice little raise and uh, well deserved. But I love that Wyoming low ball is probably not the right word to say with hiring with hiring Jeff Linder, but I'm glad they decided to say, hey, take it or leave it at the beginning because this program's been down. Mm-hmm. So show me. Yeah, I saw you could do it in Greeley, but can you do it at a higher level in Laramie? And boy, has he done it, and he's done it quick. And they're, basketball is fun again, and that's the beauty. That's the thing I'm going to think back on this year is not only the things you said about how great it is and what, what that unbelievable run was like, but – Wyoming basketball is fun again. People are talking about Wyoming basketball again. We couldn't give tickets away two years ago. No. Not at all. And even really at the beginning of this year, it was like, hey, do you want to go to whatever non-conference game was? I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah. And then once they started rolling, win some road games, yep, the phone like started that, ringing. It was like, hey, do you got those tickets? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The phone did start ringing. I yep. went through a lot of tickets this year, so which is great. It's great news, and it was fun to talk about. It was fun to watch, and um, – you know, I'm seeing people flipping out about the transfer portal. I believe the Cowboys have lost 1.7 points per game to the transfer portal, uh, which all happened in non-conference play because these guys didn't see the floor during conference play for the most part. Um, Drake Jeffries is the big loss right now. Um, you know, the Cowboys' three-point threat, which obviously had a great year and um, really great player. I love his rebounding ability. I love his defense. love everything about that guy. But um, that's your big loss right now. And Hunter Maldonado... I think we are all pretty much in agreement that he's probably coming back. Um, I think he's going to hear some good stuff, some cr- some constructive stuff from the NBA, but I, I would imagine he's going to be back. So him, EK, uh, a lot of those kids, man, Jeremiah Oden. I mean, Coach brought it up all the time. They played with four COVID freshmen and a true freshman and Noah Reynolds in their seven-man rotation all year long. Um, really like the way Hunter Thompson played at the end of the year. Uh, maybe he's a guy who could really benefit from another year where mm-hmm. he could really become a dangerous Drake Jeffries type of cat. Yeah, and I think when Hunter Thompson first came to the program, he was thinking that Europe was a final destination for him mm-hmm. in, in all reality. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, the last year, year and a half, he probably was thinking, well, maybe professional basketball in Europe isn't for me mm-hmm. uh, just because it hadn't gone as well. But these last few games this season, maybe he's – back there again saying, you know what? I can go play and make some money overseas for a few years yep. and then go on to physical therapy school because right. I believe that's what he wants to do. Well, he's got a beautiful shot. I mean, he really does. And when he's on, man, that's pretty to watch. Um, but because he's huge, everybody thought, you know, Linder brings it up all the time that he's been the kind of the whipping boy on this roster, which he absolutely has. 
because not only is he from here, but he's he's six eleven, so people expect him to be down there banging, and that's just not who he mm-hmm. is. That's not who he is as a player. He's a Euro type player that it's a finesse game over there. Yeah, and that they those bigs get out and shoot the threes. Yeah, and in the NBA now, six foot eleven guys are sinking threes. You know, well, they got seven foot point guards in the NBA. <laughs> right, right. So he's just not that banger that you've. I don't know why you're still shocked. That that's the part that has blown my mind this whole time. You're you're shocked that that. Thompson's not in there banging around and pulling down boards. I mean, it's not the kind of guy he is. So, And he's not an aggressive guy. He's not an aggressive guy in real life. I mean, he's just a really nice, mild-mannered kid. So I'm excited he's coming back, and I think Jeff Linder's excited he's coming back. Um, I also think Jeff Linder probably – this is just me talking. I don't know this, but I think what he saw, Jared, was he saw the gauntlet that was the Mountain West this year and saw those teams that were so good, CSU, Boise State, San Diego State – saw those dudes, and then saw Indiana, and then maybe looked at his bench and said, are these guys ever going to get us past teams like that? And and that's not necessarily a slap at these kids that left, yep. but that's the other thing we always forget. Maybe Jeff Linder asked them to leave. Yep. It's not always, oh, they have no loyalty to the school. Um, maybe Jeff said, hey, we, we're not going to beat Indiana's of the world with this group. And we don't foresee you probably ever getting on the court for more than a minute or two sure. in, a, in a blowout yep. one way or the other. So if you really want to play this game of basketball, if you love this game of basketball, you need to move on and yep. go somewhere where you can play. And Jeff's a guy who played at a tiny school. Yep. I mean, he knows. He was a great shooter, but he played at a tiny school, and that's all there is to it. So I, I don't know. I mean, we don't know the full story, but in my own imagination, I'm thinking he's looking at them going, man, are we gonna? Are those guys going to go out there and bang with the key jabs of the world and the Roddies of the world? You know, probably not. Well, and that's you bring up a great point about – looking down at your bench, those guys are the ones that you practice with every single day. And to make the starters, the top, you know, better one through eight better, yep. you need bench guys that are going to bang with them and practice every single day and push them. Yeah. And maybe some of these guys just weren't physical enough to really make, you know, the EKs of the world. Um, I mean, obviously he improved throughout the year mm-hmm. and throughout year one to year two but to really maybe even go to that next level. They yeah. need some other guys. And I'm not trying to dump on Owen Nelson at all. I saw that kid come out after games when I'd be sitting in the stands writing my story, and I'd see him out there working his tail off by himself. And But he also, Linder would mention in press conferences, that, man, he just gets worked by a gram every day in practice. And is that helping either one of those guys? It's probably helping Owen more than it was helping Graham. And if you go back to uh, Linder's first signing class when they signed Nelson – um, his quote was, he's a project. Sure. And we know that from the get-go, but we can't turn down a big body like that at this point. No. And they found out that he wasn't the answer. Right. So, Yeah, so like, you know, and I asked Coach toward the end of the year, because uh, for those of you that don't know, we were on Zoom all year. I just recently shook hands with Jeff Linder for the first time, and, you know, I've interviewed him 5,000 times, but uh, just met him face-to-face. So all this stuff's been over Zoom, and, and we don't see practice. And I asked Jeff, hey, we know these guys at the end of the bench can dance and goof around. Can they play basketball? And I expected a glowing answer of, oh, yeah, they're really improving, stuff like that. He didn't really give a glowing answer. Uh, it was more like, you know, we'll see. Well, you know, they've been good in practice, I guess, but we'll see. It wasn't it wasn't a uh, vote of confidence, we'll put it that way. And to be honest with you, he probably doesn't really know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly. But I think, you know, it, to move Hunter Maldonado, there's so many reasons why this year was unbelievable. I mean, Hunter Thompson or Hunter Maldonado is not a point guard. And what he did was incredible. And I hope, like hell, you're not going to remember the screen I'm looking at right now that that talks about all the turnovers he had. I hope you're not talking about his 10 turnovers at Indiana because he's the all-time cis guy in Wyoming history now. He passed Sean Dent, and he had such an unbelievable year playing out of position. And and they just did what he thought they could do to win right now. And that's exactly what they did, and they exceeded all expectations. That offense went through Marcus Williams. That's what... A Jeff Linder offense is supposed to look like mm-hmm. hitting a bunch of threes, scoring 90 points a night. They didn't always do that, but they found a way to win. And I think hopefully moving forward for the 22-23 season, you're going to see a Maldo out there maybe 32 minutes a game, not right. 38, 39 minutes a game Right. to where his legs aren't so weary and he can get those blows here and there um, to come out and, and – most likely, he's not going to be playing the point. Right. He might be a two or a three. Yeah. Now, he's going to have to improve his shooting from the outside to be a true two, probably. Yep. 
But there's going to be a lot of mismatches moving forward with this team because if one, maybe if it's Noah Reynolds or whoever it is at the point, uh, gets in foul trouble or just isn't on that night, well, it's a clean transition. Mm-hmm. Well, let's put Maldo there. Let's get a mismatch going and let's move up. And the thing I love about Jeff Linder, which is some always all of our criticism about Craig Bull, right, is that he's so stubborn and won't change his offensive scheme. Linder is openly willing to change his offensive scheme to match whoever they're playing. So maybe there's a game where he's like, Maldo's playing the point tonight because we know they're a much smaller team and they're going to have a much smaller point guard on Maldo. So he's going to back him down and he's going to kill him in the paint. Yeah, it doesn't have to be your season plan. No. Go game to game. And yeah. Jeff has proven that he's, he can do that and did it in the 2021 Mountain West Tournament where sure. he scored 100 and some points against San Jose State and then slowed it down against San Diego State. Yeah, and that's where my I already had a lot of respect for him and his basketball IQ, but after that it was like, wow, dude, this guy gets it. He gets it and he gets his players. And, I, you know, I mean, how can you not be excited about Brendan Wenzel and some of the flashes he showed this year? Uh, I think we're all in agreement, including Xavier Ducell, that he had a down year offensively. Uh, he was still terrific on defense. Um, but Indiana started doing to Wyoming what Wyoming's been doing to everybody this year, and they started back and do sell down in the block, yep. and he just he had there was no answers. And, and Boise State did the same thing to him. Emmanuel Acott has done nothing against the Cowboys all year. Leon Rice puts Acott on Ducell, backs him down, and it was basically what Maldo's been doing to everybody. So, uh, but other than that, Ducell's been unbelievable on defense, and he hit a, obviously a huge three that maybe also saved the Cowboys and put them in the dance yep. to hit that three against UNLV in Vegas. Uh, but you got to be excited about him, and I thought Jeremiah Oden made huge strides this year. I mean, he's he's kind of an X factor, right? I've texted you i've hit you on the shoulder when you're sitting next to you <laughs> i was like and I've, everybody that sits around me i was like how does he not drive the ball to the hoop 10 times a game it goes in every time oh he, and he's so athletic and if he doesn't make the layup or slam it he's gonna get fouled and yep. he's a hell of a free throw shooter yeah, that's fact so hopefully they're just replaying those highlights of him doing that saying you can take almost anybody off the dribble you have to do it don't settle for that three or even it, not every shot from the outside has to be a three. Take two or three steps in and take a 10-footer. How many times? I mean, we just didn't see any of those yeah. this year. None. No mid-range game whatsoever. Guys were open at the free throw line, the whole shebang, and it just just didn't happen. So, um, really excited about this team, but I, you know, I can't help but think back to Indiana. You know, you and I were courtside in Dayton, and I haven't had a chance to talk to Linder, but you have to think Linder maybe is looking back and going, I should have sat Maldo down for a couple of minutes and just said, just chill, take a deep breath, you know, because what did he say to us right after the game? When he goes fast, that's what happens. And he was going too fast. They had the looks. They had the open looks. And that's where when you said that they kind of figured out the Cowboys, it was no secret what the Cowboys were doing. And I thought EK had a lot of good, good looks too. They just were not dropping. And of course, you can throw in the fact that they played what eight games in seventeen days to close the season. I mean, it was it was tough. It was really tough, especially for a young team playing in really meaningful games. And um, but I think he probably would have put Noah Reynolds in for a couple of minutes. And there's nothing wrong with that because then Noah Reynolds would have played during an NCAA tournament game as well. Yep. And that would have you know, to me, in my opinion, that carries a lot of weight. And I'm sure that's something that sits on Noah Reynolds right now that he sat on the bench the whole time. And it was still a two-possession game with a minute to go. Yeah. With all of those turnovers, with all of those missed opportunities. Yeah. And it was still there. Um, really, Wyoming had a, I mean, an unbelievable chance of winning that game. Yeah. Indiana didn't impress me a bit with their shooting at all. The big guy, he was impressive. And that Geronimo cat. He those, made some game-winning plays. Those putbacks were, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was still there for the taking. Yeah. And if just cut down on five of those uh, turnovers and maybe cut down on two or three offensive rebounds and make two free throws, that game's totally different. Yeah, because you look, you know, I'm looking at the stat line right now. You know, you got 21 out of Maldo and 17 out of EK. If you get those numbers out of those two, you're probably pretty confident you're going to win that game, not to mention two threes from Hunter Thompson. Um, you know, Odin pitched in with five, but once again, Ducell, and this happened a lot to, down the stretch, a goose egg. You know, you can't have a goose egg out of Ducell, who's also so good at driving the lane and shooting free throws. Yeah, and, I mean, you, then you look at the opposite side of it. 
on Indiana, I mean, they shot the ball very, very horribly. Horribly. I mean, I'm looking at something right now is uh, Wyoming was 32% from three, and Indiana was only 15%. And that was – Two of 13. That was single digits in the first half. <laughs> and they're th- they were cl- they were clunking yes. every shot. I mean, they weren't like in and out. Yeah. They were ugly, ugly shots. They were not impressive. Jackson Davis was very impressive. And that's where, too, with EK, it seems like he – it's kind of we talked about it courtside, kind of moving in slow motion compared to that dude. He was just boom, caught it up and in, and EK kind of catch, honker down a little bit, you know, and then try and go up instead of just one motion, go up, go up and in. And some people might think this is comparing apples to oranges, but I can see EK being a Baycott of North Carolina. Yeah. If he really, if he takes that next step, yeah, he can be. I mean, he's a double double machine. Baycott, I think, had thirty one double doubles. He had a double double in the first half yeah. of the championship game. Do you think he can be like a McCormick type though? I mean, they look similar. Yeah, <laughs> but I just, I mean, you have to want the ball every single time, and Baycott never gives up on a rebound. Yeah, and he and he does. He's just he's in position every time, and he he's working that position when the ball's in the air. He yeah. he's looking for that position to to get to get in that position. You know, it's just it's crazy. But I I really do think Ek has the ability of being somebody like that, and he had double digits, double doubles this year anyway. But thirty one double doubles out of right. thirty eight games played or whatever it was. That's that's ridiculous. And some of his games, some of Ek's games were quiet. Like, to me, in Indiana, he quietly scored 17 against the Hoosiers. Yep. It wasn't a dominant performance. So, not not what we were used to seeing out of him, anyway, at midseason form. Do you think, too, you know, when Linder picked up the technical against Indiana, um, obviously we know now he was yelling at Drake Jeffries to quit bitching at the refs. Do you think that was kind of some of EK's issue down the, down the line? Because he, he, he liked to yell at the refs a little bit. Yeah, he he chirps a lot, and I'm sure some of those those refs hear from other refs saying, "Hey, watch this guy; he does this." And because it, it's just like film prep for referees, do film prep too. Right? They look at the differences in offenses, how certain people play, all that kind of stuff. And you see, um, Ek uses elbows a lot and like bring them up and over somebody's yeah. shoulder and get that position and. Say all you want about the NCAA tournament. It, there were some games that were just officiated so poorly. Mm-hmm. But like championship game last night, they let everything go. I loved it. And those guys – and Baycott got away with several offensive fouls that would have been called in a heartbeat in in this league. Are you like me West. and you just watch that and you go, oh, oh God, yep. this would have been a foul yep. fest. But then they did call him one time and he eased it a little bit, but then he went right back to it again and they didn't call it. I was watching those dudes banging with four fouls, going, whoa. Yeah. Yep. Oh, EK would have been gone at halftime. He would have had nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, you know what? I know they left some on the table, and that's what hurts, and that's what's tough to swallow. But to me, A+. plus, A++ plus plus for this basketball program this year. You're not going to get me griping about much of anything. Nope. I mean, it just it makes no sense. And to see the fans, I get it. I get the frustration because they left that one on the table, man. Like you're mentioning, they absolutely did. And they left so many of their losses, they they did leave something on the table. But for those fans that are complaining out there, you show me proof of how many home games you actually attended this year. Because <laughs> <laughs> those, to me, are the first people who are griping are the people from longer distances that don't get to Laramie. And I know it's tough, but put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. And at least show up for the weekend games. Yeah. Don't tell me that you can't do it because of this and that. If you're a true fan, you're going to show up for a handful of games. Yeah, and there are the guys. We know a few of them that Newcastle, every game. I mean, that's impressive. And that is the biggest difference between football and basketball is, you know, the attendance. Yeah. Um, You're looking at six games at a 21,000 average or whatever it was for football. And then basketball, 17 home games, and they averaged 5,200. Coaches get compensated for how many people are in the the seats. Oh, yeah. And if you 
tell me that you want Jeff Leonard to be the coach of this program for more than one more year. This extension really doesn't mean anything other than he's guaranteed X amount of money for one more year. And Wyoming has helped themselves on the back end a little yes, bit. Yes, on some buyout situation. Yeah. But if you want Jeff to be here maybe three more years, you got to start showing up to games. Yeah. You got to put your money where your mouth is. And you know what? If you can't get to the games, buy season tickets and give them to people who can attend games. Yeah. Yeah, that last San Diego State game was embarrassing. I thought the uh, f- the crowd could have been worth 10 points that night, which is what the Cowboys needed. <laughs> And it was it was pathetic, and that's when the the conference title was still on the line at that point. That was a really really sad showing. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it was the fans are back. They're starting to come back. They're starting to get excited again. I think you and I come from the school of watching eleven thousand people come through the turnstiles on Big Monday for a ten o'clock game on ESPN. And uh, you know that game that team was fun to watch. You you paid good money to watch that team. It was good stuff. Uh, but something we've talked about a lot, and I'll probably write a column about this down the line. We need to probably, in my opinion, quit looking at the word stepping stone as a cuss word at Wyoming. Uh, I know you don't want the coach to leave. Nobody wants the coaches to leave if they're good and successful. But Wyoming football and basketball have not lost a coach to success since the late 90s. I would rather have a coach leave for success than being fired because that means your program is in a much better position than it was before. So that, to me, is why we've got to stop looking at this as a bad thing. And believe me, when, when Joe Teller left, it was sad as hell. That was devastating. When Dana Dimmel left for a lateral move, not in his bank account, but a lateral move to us, if even a lateral move, to go play in an empty Astrodome with the Houston Cougars, who were an afterthought in their own city, that was really, really hard to swallow. But Dana Dimmel's the last football coach that left because of success. And he did it for money. Yeah. And uh, who could bl- – I mean, the money yeah. was night money and day. Was totally different back then than it was now because Wyoming just could not afford to pay what they can now. Yeah. And um, and the structures of contracts are a hell of a lot different today than they were back then. And and you've interviewed Dana, and he, he says if he had to do it again, he would probably never left. Yeah. He told me that he stepped out in the spring game in the Astrodome and saw nobody – nobody in the seventh wonder of the world nobody and he said holy i made a i made a mistake but then again he was able to use that money after he got fired from houston to go buy a ranch in kansas and go live it up and and then he made a ton of money being the assistant at kansas state again yeah yeah and he's doing a great job at utep now really really happy for dana he's a great guy but when i interviewed him i i straight up told him when i first met him man i'm i'm so angry with you still to this day because that hurt. That hurt a lot to see him leave because Cowboys are winning eight games a year. And you go back to Tiller, he would have never left if Lee Moon would have gave him what he asked for. Yeah. He was going to stay in Laramie. Ugh. Well, and of course, we all know he made his home in Buffalo, Wyoming, and, and what could have been. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, I know it hurt back in the day to lose all those coaches one after another, Pat Dye stopping by for a year, you know, stuff like that. That that sucks. Dennis Erickson, one year um that hurts and now i mean in hoops and in football as we've seen like look at all those guys that followed jay norvell to csu i mean and in hoops it could be even worse like could you imagine if linder went to some crap program that totally needed to be rebuilt and he took this whole roster with him which he can do now so but to me i i still hear fans griping about coaches leaving like it's a new thing that or something we've all dealt with and we haven't yeah if you want to feel sorry for yourself look at the lsu basketball program right now (laughs) (laughs) one they're on probation (laughs) and there's going to be even more accusations that come out and allegations and then they lost all 13 scholarship Mm. players to the transfer portal so think about that for a while before you start complaining about <laughs> yeah. four guys that average 1.7 minutes a game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was just talking to Matt, our coworker here, who is a huge Louisville supporter, and they've lost five. They've lost five guys out of eight on their basketball team. And their main stud, he was showing me that stayed. He just got a brand-new Hellcat Charger compliments of Dodge in Louisville. And, you know, that's – that's the day we live in now, folks. I mean, we might not like it. I don't like it, but it is what it is. And some people are going to have to step up and start paying some NIL deals. And that's just how it's going to have to work. It's 
it sucks, but it is what it is, and they've let it happen, and they created this monster, and good luck getting the toothpaste back in the tube. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it is what it is. So, yeah, A-plus for me on this oh, basketball program. Totally agree. And then switch gears here just to cowgirl basketball. Yeah. I mean, what a great finish they had. Yeah, the overall record wasn't great, but you saw glimpses of what they did um, and the year before when they won the tournament and went to the NCAA tournament, that when they buckle down on D and make those threes, good things are going to happen and that those – um, the the motion offense to just run to a T with that team, <laughs> yeah. and I I don't see much changing with the new coach either. Yeah. And thank uh, Coach G for his three years, and that everybody knew that if you really looked at his contract, he only signed a three year deal to begin with. Yeah, that was his plan all along. Yeah, and did he foresee the three great years that he had? Probably not. But what a hell of a run Pretty he good. had. Pretty yeah. good, yeah. So, 19 years in Laramie yep. for Coach G. Uh, really good man, and he did some great things. Heather Zell, of course, been on his staff for seven years, I want to say. She uh, she was a great player at Iowa State. Uh, she knows how to play the game. Yep. And, and the girls obviously like her. McKinley Bradshaw, the only uh, person I've seen that's leaving. Uh, Quinn Weideman's back. Tommy Olsen's back. So they should be right in the hunt again. I mean, they're probably a team in the Mountain West that other teams just hate playing against them because they're just going to run all day long and they're going to run around you and they're going to work hard and and they're a really fun group um allison Ferdig, obviously a great freshman season freshman of the year in the mountain west from glendo big bad glendo wyoming so uh really cool to see that and i love that they're just hiring within why not it's not broke just keep rolling yeah and that's uh, i love it that's two transitions in a row hiring within and you know you you look at a craig ball and like Hey, when he retires and like five years ago, what if he moves on? Well, who's going to get the job yeah. type of deal? You know, hopefully there's something um, in line there that's hiring within. And you look at the men's staff, that's a possibility too. Yeah. There's there's a coach on there that has head coaching, or two of them that have head coaching experience. Uh, and then Ken DeWeese has two technical games yeah, that, he, yeah. that Jeff was removed two from, and, and he's 2-0, oh, so he, tech, he, he has uh, he has in-game experience himself, so, um, you know, it's, uh, hopefully they can keep those kind of things going, and uh, and then another transition, talk a little bit about wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Mark Branch takes four Cowboys to the NCAA championships, they place in the top 25, Stephen Buchanan ends up third. And what a hell of a run that guy had in the 197-pound weight class. Yeah, it was disappointing to see him lose that semifinal match. Uh, but for him to bounce back on Saturday and get those wins to get third place, that's a huge mental yeah. game right there. Oh. To be, have a heartbreaking loss on a Friday night in the semis, but then to come back on Saturday and do what he did. Says a lot. It does say a lot, and he's going to be right there. And they considered 197 the toughest weight class at the NCAAs this year, and that's that's a man's weight class right there. Yeah, we're we're not talking 125 pounds. We're talking 197 pounds. Pure muscle. These guys can do anything at any time. What's the Oklahoma State guy's name that was out? Fierro or AJ something? Fiari? Fiari. He uh, he posted something on face, on Twitter. Did you see that? I did. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. Actually, a Wyoming wrestler fired back at him it had something to do with him showing off his car or something yeah. he's like try not to crash this yeah, one <laughs> he said you should become a better driver or something like that <laughs> you know and hopefully he he bounces back from him, his injury and you know it's just gonna make that weight class even that much tougher <laughs> so if you're Stephen buchanan wouldn't you love to beat him and then go over and beat his dad up at the railing That'd yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, but then you might have some mafia to. Deal with there. <laughs> I mean, that guy, his dad, his old man scares me looking at him. <laughs> he is terrifying. All right, guys, uh, spring football uh, is happening in Laramie. And uh, if you don't know the names on this roster, you are not alone. Uh, taking a quick little browse here, the Cowboys have four, count them, four seniors on this team. Last year, they were number two in the country as far as returning production. According to ESPN, now they're fourth from last. And the only reason they're fourth from last is because Hawaii got gutted and Nevada got gutted. And I think the other team is Old Dominion or something like that. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a young group. And then to make matters even more confusing, many of them have changed their jersey numbers. So I uh, wrote a story about that if you want to go brush up on jersey numbers. But uh, 
you know, we talk about the familiar faces that are coming back. Cole Godbout, really good player. Uh, I believe he was third in the country in tackles for an interior defensive lineman last year. Uh, Easton Gibbs will be making the move over to the middle linebacker spot, filling some pretty damn big cleats from a couple of guys who have been in that spot before. Uh, really like that move, by the way. Um, Titus Swin, holy cow. I mean, he... He has veins popping out of veins is how big that dude is right now. He looks absolutely incredible. And uh, Coach, you know, I, I don't mean to be putting words in Coach's mouth, but when, when Titus didn't play during the COVID year, Coach didn't have a lot of nice things to say about any of those dudes that decided to sit out. And he still kind of struggled to toot Titus's horn, if you will, last year, but he's tooting the horn this year, and he knows that he is the feature back he is really good. He looks really good. You know damn well he's good because you've seen it on display. So he'll be back. Frank Crum on the line. Erica Boje on the line. Latrell Bible on the line. Um, the cupboard wasn't bare there. You know, of course, losing Kreider and, and Alonzo Velasquez and Logan Harris, those are going to be, you know, tough spots to fill. But they actually had some depth there at the offensive line. So excited about that. Uh, DeWine McNeely is hurt right now during spring, but we saw some nice stuff out of him last year. Uh, I'm really excited about DQ James. And if you've read the website this week, I wrote a story about him. He's just, he's so stupid fast. And to hear the legend of this kid, you know, and to hear Garrett crawl talking about him breaking his ankles. And he said, he didn't just get me. He got them all. And we're talking Gandy. We're talking Muma. He got them all. So really excited to see all five foot seven, 207 pounds of that kid and see what he can do. Uh, he is fun. And then Jordan Vaughn is another kid you've maybe never heard of. Who's a running back. He's six, two, two thirty. Just the polar opposite. Uh, Trey Smith told me he reminds him a lot of Derrick Henry, uh, which is pretty high praise. And that's one meeting room that has been stocked yeah. the last several years. Or actually, probably really ever since Brian Hill has been here. Yeah, which is Craig Bowles' first year. Yeah, and They even told me, uh, Garrett Kral told me, do not sleep on Joey Brash either, another running back, young kid who we haven't seen yet out of Columbus, Nebraska. He's apparently the real deal as well. So they've got some... Alonzo Andrews is still hanging out. Alfonso Andrews, he's still hanging out on this roster. He hasn't taken a snap. He's been here for four years. He was a three-star guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got some depth back there. So, you know, Andrew Peasley, of course, quarterback. Everybody wants to know about the quarterback. Cowboys, of course, lost Levi Williams and Sean Sean Chambers in the transfer portal. Uh, Brought in Andrew Peasley from Utah State. Had the chance to talk to Andrew. That story is also on the website. I like that guy a lot. I, I like his game anyway. Um, he looks like a total pain in the ass to play against and uh, really has some confidence, man. I guess the only word that really comes to mind is swagger. He does have some swagger about him. Uh, he definitely has the uh, Utah State game circled. I brought up the wrong date, and he corrected me on the date because <laughs> ESPN has it wrong. I did my homework. ESPN has it wrong. It's cocky if it's if he's on the other team, but yeah. swagger when he's on your team. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So excited about him, too, but, man, you can't help but look at Evan Svoboda, too, when he comes walking out. <laughs> you know how Josh Allen looks good in shorts? Evan Svoboda looks damn good in shorts. So he's already as big as Josh Allen is now, is how big Evan Svoboda mm-hmm. is. So uh, excited about him. And you know what? The guy who keeps coming up in this coaching staff is Hank Gibbs. And I'm reading into this a little bit, but Andrew Peasley said, you know, Hank and I kind of looked at each other before practice started the first day and said, hey, man, we're going to make each other better, which kind of maybe I'm reading into it too much, but kind of tells me that maybe this battle's between Hank Gibbs and Andrew Peasley. And Peasley's the only quarterback on this roster, aside from about 15 attempts from Gavin Beerup, who's ever even been in a Division One football game. Yeah, and I think we've kind of read this from and seen this from Craig Bowl in the past to where he's going to pay – little more attention to the guys who've been who have been in the program Mm -hmm. and who practice every day didn't take a covid year didn't do this didn't do that yeah they he loves loyalty so is it a little uh you know just what we want to hear maybe maybe um but we'll we'll see come august um we'll come actually see april 30th april 30th for the spring game yeah but don't get your panties in a wad here. You're not going to see a depth chart, <laughs> yeah, and no. who cares if you see one or not? Yeah. It doesn't matter until August 27th when they uh, tee it up in Champaign, Illinois anyway. Yeah, yeah. they're not going to put out a, uh, a spring depth chart, and I like that. I like that move. Why Why let – I mean, 
Tim Polisek, the offensive coordinator, did tell me it is nice to go into this season knowing who your quarterback is going into their offseason because that's good for team building stuff and, and stuff like that. But what's better overall to let people still be hanging, thinking they might have a chance? And these guys will know pretty much what their spring depth chart is. They're just not going to share it with you and me. Yeah, and the players themselves are going to see who those leaders are when you get that text message at 6 a.m. on a Thursday morning. Hey, we're going 7-on-7 seven seven today, seeing 20. Yeah. That yeah. kind of deal. And they'll be doing that anyway. Yep. Any certain areas of this youthful roster that scare you more than others? You know, the O-line, I mean, there's there's three guys that have had a lot of playing time that are really good mm-hmm. at what they do. Um, but overall, depth-wise, we, you know, the O-line has had a lot of depth in the last few years, and right now it's they might they might be enough players, but is there enough game time depth? Right. Game uh, and, experience depth. And Craig Bull did talk about on the first signing day that they really uh, – it was an exciting time around the fax machine or the email, I assume, these days. They did land three offensive linemen on the last minute before that first signing day, so I know he's really excited about those dudes, but like it's unproven. Yeah. Uh, to me, I'm a little terrified about the wide receiver situation. Um, as you know, Isaiah Nair now lives in Austin, Texas. Aiden Eberhardt's career is over. Um, Joshua Cobbs showed some flashes last year. He had some nice things, but when I interviewed him, I said, how much of this has to do with Isaiah Nair taking the lid off the defense? A lot of it, and he knew it. So Joshua Cobbs is your guy. He's your number one guy, I assume, coming into the season. And then you've got Wyatt Whelan, and you've got uh, Tyrese Grant. Guys just that don't have a lot of catches under their belt. They don't have a lot of stuff going on. And then Alex Brown, he really hasn't done a whole heck of a lot since he's been here either. Uh, got a young kid coming in. Um when the freshmen get here, who I know they're excited about, uh, Caleb Merritt out of uh, the St. Louis area, I know they're really excited about him as a slot guy. But once again, <laughs> kid's playing high school, and now he's coming in in June. You know, though, when you look at it, yeah, Nair, is, he's a different cat. I yep. mean, those guy, kind of guys don't come around very often. Your Tanner Gentrys don't come around very often. Yeah. Um, but if you scheme it right – those guys can get open, and if you have a quarterback that can put the ball where they're supposed to, right, you're going to be able to move the chains. So, and here's something that, of course, has been I've been pissing Craig off with for three years now. When are the tight ends going to come into play, and <laughs> wouldn't this be the perfect time for that? Because they do have great tight ends. I mean, Jackson Marcotte, Trayton Welch, Colin O'Brien, all those dudes, are they've got a ton of them. And I think Parker Christensen is one of the most underutilized studs on this team. So he's another guy who's an H-back, fullback, tight end kind of cat. I would think now's the time to use those guys. They're better than the other team's linebackers. Instead of going to Craig, I'd start asking Tim Polisek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just keep hammering it to Switch him. it up a little he's bit. He's going to let it out sooner. <laughs> He'll let the cat out of the bag. So. Well, and, you know, the Cowboys did uh, replenish the defensive backs room a little bit with Darren Harrell and Ja'Cory Hawkins. Of course, Harrell from Wisconsin, Hawkins from Ole Miss. Cowboys lost C.J. Colden. They lost Azizi Hearn. Also on the back end, Asias Gandy has graduated. They lost Rome Weber. They lost Cam Murray. Um, I know I'm forgetting somebody. They lost They lost everybody except Miles Williams, and he's one of the seniors coming back, which, by the way, there are four seniors. One of those guys is Ravante Holt, who has just had the worst luck of any football player I've ever been around outside and of Sean Chambers. Currently on crutches. Currently on crutches, and the hope is to be back. And man, when you talk to his teammates, they just they feel for that guy so much because when he's on the field, he is destructive, and one of the better interior linemen that has been through here. But he just cannot stay healthy, and it's been just a horrible deal for him. But I mean, that's just showing you how young this roster is. He's one of the seniors, and he might not ever even play again. So um, I don't know, I, you know. And then T.J. Urban, they lost him, the Air Force transfer. He was a kid coming in to play safety. And uh, I unfortunately watched him tear his ACL during that first 20 minutes of practice on opening day. He was coming down to cover a punt, tried to turn. It was one of those non-contact 
horrible types where he just hit the deck and grabbed his left knee immediately and Craig Bull was right next to him and you know he knew it was it looked bad so another hit to the depth back there um Cowboys have just rolled out safety play one after another so you wonder who's going to step in there I'm hearing that Wyatt Eckler is a guy I'm also hearing Andrew Johnson from Cheyenne Central is another guy that could step in uh we saw Isaac uh, White step in last year he actually picked off andrew peasley mm-hmm. <laughs> in logan and um he he played some really nice minutes last year so i know they're really excited about him and uh but man young 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 and then the youngest of all is the defensive ends group so was happy to hear craig bowl say that that was the that's the unit that has stood out out to him so far but you can't help but think like really I mean, really, are you saying that to use the media to tell your guy? You know, I, I may be reading too much into it, but, I mean, that is a youthful, youthful group of guys. When you look back at Wyoming football in general, but especially under Craig Bowl, when they've been picked lower in, lower in the mm-hmm. conference, which they're going to be this year because oh, of yeah. the youthfulness totally. and lack of production back, um, They've performed better. I agree. When there's been a lot of pressure on them because they've been picked first or second, or out of their own mouth saying we're going to win this, we're going to win a championship. Yeah, they just don't perform as well. So I I I look forward to this team. Actually, I do too. And I I think it's going to be a fun year because there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah, I agree. And and that's how you find these new stars is they got to play. And uh, I think we saw that with Isaac White last year a little bit. I think he's going to be really good. He stepped in for a size candy. And played really well. So, and it's it's not like the old days where you, you get recruited and you go and sit for two or three years. You're going to redshirt. You don't play until you're a junior and a senior. Yeah, it's not that way anymore. Uh, kids are in high school these days. They are preparing themselves for the next level. Yep, and they can step in right away. I mean, how about the offensive lineman coming in from Nebraska? Yeah, there's a good chance that he's probably going to start as a true freshman. Yeah, yeah. Deshaun Woods, yeah, Deshaun Woods, six five two eighty five out of out of Omaha, and he'll be three oh five three ten by the time yeah. August rolls around. <laughs> He's gonna be good. He's gonna be really good. You know, this team really reminds me, and I know it's crazy now to think about it because now we have so many household names out of that team. But two thousand nineteen, the first year seventy two twenty, when I started covering this team, you didn't know who Xavion Bolliday was. He had a nice game against New Mexico to cap the year, but it was Nico Evans. Nico was the dude. That running back room was gutted. I mean, Xavion Valde was the starter by default, and all he did was go torch Missouri in the opener. And I remember when I first met Craig Bowl that year at Mountain West Media Days, I said, what are you thinking? He said, we're lying in the weeds. And they were lying in the weeds. Um, you know, we got to see, what, four starts out of Sean Chambers the year prior, so you were excited about his trajectory a little bit, aside from he got hurt. And then um, other than that, though, you you started getting the household names. You didn't know who Erica Bojay was, and you didn't know that Keegan Kreider, and you didn't know those guys. And then you think, oh, God, they're opening with Missouri at home. Oh, God. And then they go down 14 to nothing in a blink of an eye, and you're like, oh, brother. Here we go. And what did they do? They got off the mat, and they punched Missouri in the mouth. So you really learned about guys. You didn't know Chad Muma back then. You didn't know those dudes. They needed a chance. And when they got the chance, that 2019 team, four of their five losses were by a combined 15 points. They should have won at Tulsa. If if, Craig, if if Sean Chambers goes down instead of trying to score there at the end, they were only down by three. They're taking that into overtime. They should have won that game. San Diego State, they have the lead late. Should have won that game. The only blowout that year was not even a blowout. It was Air Force. It was 20-6, to six, last game of the year, and Air Force scored on like an 80-yard touchdown at the end to make it 20-6. to six. Mm-hmm. So that was another close one. I can't even remember who else they lost to that year. It was just, they were the Boise State. They lost to Boise State in overtime by three. Uh, very questionable play calling in the at the end of the fourth and in overtime. Uh, just winnable, winnable games, man. So that team was young. They were super, they weren't picked to do anything that year. They were super young and I'm not saying that's what this team's going to do, but I'm saying look at all those household names that came out of that year, and that was a lot of fun. That 2019 team was a blast. Nobody expected them to be as good as they were. Going to the Arizona Bowl and rolling Georgia, Georgia State with a backup quarterback and Levi Williams, yep. that was his coming out party. We thought he was going to be the man after that, 
I mean, we thought, holy cow, this guy could leave Laramie with five bull rings. And that really showed you what Valade was all about yeah. as a multidimensional player. Too. Yeah, and we had no idea about Valade before that yep. year. Oh, he, he did really well against New Mexico in the season finale when they won, what, four straight to get bowl eligible the year before and didn't go to a bowl. That was Nico Evans, man. He did it all. You didn't know who Xavion Valade was. So, I mean, that's what we're going to see this year, and I'm really, I'm excited for it. I have, You know, if you ask me right now, Jared, what, what's their record going to be? <laughs> I wouldn't even begin to know. And I remember that year getting asked before the season on radio shows, where, where do you think the Cowboys finish? I said three wins. I can see three wins. I can see seven wins. Call me crazy now, but I'm going to say a minimum of seven wins right now. And wow. I don't know a thing about this team. Huh. I know I'm not crazy about starting in Big Ten country. I know Illinois is not the best team in the world, but Wyoming has won as a program one game against Big Ten, a Big Ten team, and that was against Wisconsin in like the 80s. But they've only played what? I think Eight? 13 or 14. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and of course, I don't love a young team going into BYU. Uh, you know, <laughs> anything young in BYU is terrifying because, you know, they're 28 years old across the board. They're the Houston Cougars of <laughs> yeah. NCAA football. Yes. How, real quick to go to, to the Houston Cougars. They, that team this year in college basketball, average uh, age was older than the Oklahoma City Thunder and one other NBA team. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Well, but but you, that's the day we're in with the COVID year yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's going to it's gonna go back the other way here <laughs> very quickly. I would but. love to see BYU's roster put up against NFL rosters. Oh, yeah. They would be, if you probably did average age, they're going to be older than some of those bottom. The Jaguars. Yeah, and because they have so many, so many young guys. First-round picks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not crazy about that one. Well, while we're talking about it, I might as well look up the schedule here. Well, obviously, it's opening in Champaign on, in August. Then yep. they come home for Northern Colorado on Labor Day weekend. Well, they're home for Tulsa first. Oh, Tulsa, I'm sorry. Yep, September 3rd, Tulsa at home, Northern Colorado at home, Air Force at home. So three in a row in Laramie. Must. Yes. Must wins. And, and you, you got to beat, obviously. Obviously, Air Force is a really tough one. Out and Tulsa's a good football team. They, yeah. they have some guys. Yeah. Oh and, man, that game in Tulsa, that was a body bag game, man. Yeah. That was tough. They got some guys. And uh but you're right, Air Force, I mean, payback for lot from last year. I, yes. And nobody likes Troy Calhoun anyway. So. No, no. And then at, then it's at BYU. At Provo. Yep. September twenty fourth at Provo. And then October first, San Jose State at home. Another what you would think is a must win. Uh now the Spartans led by Chevin Cordero, the former quarterback at Hawaii. Uh, then it's at New Mexico. You would hope a, most, a must win, but how the hell can we say must win against – I mean, how can we say anything about the Lobos at this point? They have the Cowboys number. Yeah, we don't have a leg to stand on when we're talking about them. Then the big one, October 22nd. And and you know what? I'll definitely write about this when we get closer, but how cool to – this is what the Utah State rivalry needed because it wasn't really – I mean, maybe some old-timers will tell you it's a rival. It's not people. My, I'm 38 years old. I never have thought of Utah State as a rival. Maybe this sparks it. It was a trophy game by default. Yeah, but maybe it's maybe this sparks it and makes it good because you got to have some hatred in Utah. You have to, and and they're hateable. And if it's a, it can come down to Peasley versus Levi Williams. Oh, you never know. So I don't think it will, but it could. It could. Then they go to Hawaii, always a tough trip, but they have an off week after Hawaii. Then the border war in Fort Collins, November 12th, at home for Boise State, and they finish out the year November 26th at Fresno State. By the way, I'm looking at ESPN, so maybe these dates I give you are all crap, but uh, they are going to finish at Fresno State. So now that I'm looking at the schedule, not crazy about the Illinois and the BYU, but, man, San Jose State, New Mexico – what the Cowboys did to Utah State last year, Andrew Peasley's going to be juiced for that. Hawaii's so winnable. They're so young. It's just that trip. And they have a coach New- that has never been a head coach. Yeah. I mean, probably wasn't even going to be considered being head coach. No. I mean, so winnable. At CSU, I like what they're doing down there. I hate to – I mean, I hate to admit that, but Jay Norvell's just – that's a slam dunk hire, in my opinion, for them. I think he's at least going to have them humming it seven, eight wins a year. I, I really do, and it, it kills me to say that, but I really do. Then Boise State coming in, they're in Laramie. 
They're in Laramie in late November. Don't hate that when you got a good running game, which Wyoming should have. And then at Fresno State, that's always kind of a toss-up. And we all know that Boise State's full of talent. Yes. And it's just if they can execute that on that particular day or not. I don't hate this schedule. Now that I really look at it, I don't hate it. 7-5 reality. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd think the obvious wins would be San Jose State, Northern Colorado. I'm going to throw Tulsa in there. I know it's not a slam dunk, but at New Mexico, I mean, God, you got to throw that in there, right? And at Hawaii, you got to throw that in. I don't know. The only ones I'm seeing I'm not liking are Illinois, BYU, Boise State. I never liked that game. And then at Fresno State. Always like the Cowboys' chances in Fort Collins. I don't think anybody's worried about – it's not saying Wyoming's going to win, but I'm saying I don't think anybody's worried about going to Fort Collins. Yeah. So, I don't know. You might be right. You might be right. I know I'm going to be asked that 100 times, and I just didn't know what to even think. But is – I mean, it, it just – the last 10 years, 20 years, it's just like got to play for championships. Yeah. God, I mean, Wyoming's played for one championship in the Mountain West Conference. And to have 16 dudes in the NFL that have mostly been Bulls yeah. guys. Yeah, there's going to be rebuilding years. There always is with most programs. But get to that point and sustain it. Yeah. I mean, seven wins, eight wins. Got to get to 10. Yeah. Have got to get to 10. You'd be pretty damn stoked if they win seven games this oh, year. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But it's... You've got to get to that point to where seven isn't good enough. Yeah. Eight's not good enough. Craig Bull just passed Lloyd Eaton, his longest tenured head coach in Wyoming history. I know it's a way different time, but look what Lloyd did in eight years in Laramie. <laughs> it's a way different time. Yep. And if he doesn't kill himself with the Black 14 thing, who knows what kind of heights Wyoming football could have reached. And, you know, I, I have the utmost respect for Craig Bowl. Recruiting supposed to be the hard part here, right? He's killed it. He's done a great job in that. It's something else. And it's – we all know what it is. And that is what is so damn frustrating about this program. It is. We all know. You've got the talent. What in the hell are we doing? So it's frustrating, but, hey, it's his program. He deserves – he – you know, he deserves a contract. He has the right to do what he does. You know, obviously his bosses are happy with what he's doing. Uh, you know, and I know he has to say the right things, but he was awfully excited about that potato bowl last year. And that just never sat well with me because what, you know, it is what it is. And you're happy to be in a bowl and all that considering all that happened. But ugh, such a missed opportunity, such a missed opportunity. So it's frustrating, and I know I, I share that frustration with you because I've watched this team, and you know I've watched this team my whole life. And I'm just not. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut right now. <laughs> it's, it'll go bad if I keep talking. It, well, we got a lot yeah, of time you're right. to talk about. It, it is very frustrating, and it's been frustrating. And we probably talked for eighty percent of Cowboy fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are the twenty percent that everything's always rosy no matter what. I yeah. mean, hey, they go they went to a ball game. Yeah, that's great. But yeah. there's always that but factor. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm serious. I want to get to the point where the Cowboys are ten wins is good. Yeah. Well, if Cincinnati can do it. Not great. Yeah. Kansas is, Kansas is was in the Orange Bowl yeah. ten years ago. Yep. Look at Boise. <laughs> yeah. Their average wins the last fifteen years. Right up there with the Alabamas of the world. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. It's time. But unfortunately, I think this year, if you say seven wins, I think that I think you take that all day long because Vegas ain't going to say that. And you know how we just went down this whole schedule saying, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, win, win. Everybody else who's doing a show like this is saying the same thing about Wyoming. Win. Yep. Yep. Guaranteed win. Oh, oh yeah. This is the time to get Wyoming. They're down. Yeah. When those futures come out, at the end of spring ball for next season. I want to take a good look at it because I bet you it's going to be hovering around five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. From Vegas. Yeah. Five and a half might even be. I mean, because if you're an outsider looking in, you're looking and going, wow, they have four seniors on this team. Quarterbacks are gone. Best wide receiver's gone. Second all-time leading rusher's gone. Third leading tackler in the country's gone. 
Entire secondary's gone. I mean, we could just keep going. Every defensive end on this team is gone. <laughs> I mean, there's some holes to fill, but like you said, I couldn't be more excited. Save a save a C note to put down on this team, <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. over wins. I seriously couldn't be more excited. I'm with you. I love the new blood, and I, I asked Craig Bull. That's the first question I asked him this spring. How exciting does this reinvigorate you to have all these new guys? You don't know these cats. How exciting is this? You still got money on that account? <laughs> five hundo. Sweet. Put five hundo on the Cowboys. I'm going to make you some money, Cody. <laughs> I like that. I like Baby this. needs diapers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of them. No, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready. I love spring. I'm excited for spring ball. Uh, it was nice to vault right into spring football here before the long, long, long off season here. And, uh, which is going to be shorter by a week, thank God, because the Cowboys are playing August 27th in Champaign, like you said. So excited for that. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be – the, the storylines are going to be amazing. And, and I thought about that before I walked in the first time this year into the football building. Last year, all the positions were solidified for the most part. Easton Gibbs won the outside linebacker spot. Chuck Hicks hit the transfer portal. That was the big battle. Now there's a battle at damn near every position on the field. So the storylines are just going to go forever and really excited for that. I, I look at that as excitement. That's not just from a journalistic standpoint. It's time for new blood, man. And I talked to Craig Bowl about this a little bit off the record that isn't it nice to kind of have nobody on this team that has any ties to Josh Allen era whatsoever? Like, move on. It's time to just start over. Start start something new here. Start. Shoot, there's almost nobody on the coaching staff that has any Josh Allen ties True. Anymore. That's very true. That's very true. And that's not a bad thing. Nope. It's time to just move on and, and get on with it. And New era of Cowboy football, year nine. Year nine, Craig. So excited about it either way. I'm excited. I don't know if you're excited. I'm, I'm pumped I just wish it. that you were able and fans were able to actually go see practices. That'd be great. I'm on my way to Laramie today in the 90-mile-an-hour wind to go see 20 minutes of stretching, but... I guess I did see, you know, in that 20 minutes, I saw T.J. Urban get hurt, unfortunately, but also saw D.Q. James returning punts and Tyus Swin returning punts and Tyrese Grant returning punts. So, you know, maybe they're going to add some excitement to the punt return game, which would be a nice change of pace. Haven't seen that in a hot minute. So See some cone drills, maybe. Yeah, a few cone drills. See some guys hitting bags, offensive linemen in their stands. <laughs> That's about it. But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's good to get over there. It, I'm just so thankful that we're doing face-to-face -face stuff, and the Zoom stuff is over. Thank God. And you know for a fact you're going to be indoors today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and DJ's not – the photographer's not too thrilled about that. He was hoping for some outdoor stuff today, but that ain't going to happen. <laughs> that wind is howling. Yeah, when there was a 94-mile-an-hour uh, wind gust reported out by elk mountain oh good you mean the way i'm going this morning <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then 72 at the airport in laramie oh good laramie international good i hope that doesn't scare off jacory hawkins i need to talk to him today <laughs> <laughs> i don't think the wind blows that hard in oxford mississippi but well the thing is they're indoors they're not gonna feel it <laughs> yeah. if, as long as the indoor practice field is still standing yeah that's true that's true that'll be a whole story on its own so anyway thanks for joining us we'll make it uh <laughs> We, we next time let's not take like a month and a half between uh between these but we had a hectic that travel schedule was unbelievable well, i've only seen you one time since we got back from dayton and that was three weeks ago oh, i know tomorrow when we got back oh, i know that's crazy man. yeah that was a wild turnaround imagine if we would have went to portland oh that was a lot that was a lot i slept for a week after we got home that was a lot but fun. Yeah, the Who last time that I was still up at 3.30 in the morning, I was probably sitting at a poker table <laughs> yeah, in, in yeah. Vegas. Uh, and and we weren't we didn't even have a drink that night. Nope. Because every place, we, we, we went to four different places to find something to eat. Yeah. Close, close, close. And let alone there was no beer anywhere. Yep. And we were just like, why didn't we have a six-pack waiting for us when we got back in the room? <laughs> and you pissed off the guy at the hotel. <laughs> I thought this was a good host city. We are. No, you're not. He's like, it's a Monday, sir. <laughs> we want beer. Sorry. But you know what? If I would have told you at the beginning of the year, Jared, we're going to be in Dayton, Ohio at the NCAA tournament covering oh, the Wyoming Cowboys. Loved it. <laughs> Take that all day of the week, man. It's a good time to be a Wyoming Cowboys fan. I know it, I know. there's all this crazy uncertainty. And you people out there that keep telling me <laughs> that Wyoming did not get to the NCAA tournament oh, this year. Stop. Up yours. <laughs> yeah, stop that. It counts on the record. That yep. means they were in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they were on one shining moment, and I'm sure the check is in the bank. 
they were in the NCAA. Why, why would you take that away from these young kids anyway? And I'm calling out my own cousin. <laughs> he still to this day says that they're not in the turn. They weren't in the turn. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And, and they yeah, I told it. him. I said, you know, it moved to 68 in 2011 or whatever year it was. Yeah. It's going to go to 72 before you know it, and it's going to go to 76, then it's going to go to 80. Yeah. It's going to keep growing. It's not going back the other way. Well, ask Texas A&M if they would have liked to be in this fake tournament in Dayton. Yes. I think they would have loved it. Then losing a heartbreaker to Xavier in the, yeah. in the Madison Square Garden? Yeah. Which, how about, they said this is the last year the NIT is going to be in the Garden? Really? I didn't hear that. I'm guessing it must be going to the Barclays Center? Oh. I don't know. I just... I, Reading into that, I guess. I guess, but that that's the ultimate question, right? Would you rather go and make a run in the NIT or lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament? There are certain situations where it probably benefits teams to do what they did, um, but for this Cowboy team, so much rather be in the NCAA tournament. I think you, from a money standpoint, you'd rather be in the NCAA tournament and from an experience standpoint. and The NIT is cool, and it's cool when you win it and all, but, I mean, give me a break. I'd rather be in the the field of 68 all day long and lose. Lose yeah. in the first round. You at least made it. Yeah. So, I mean, CSU didn't make it last year. They were pretty bummed. Even though they had a really nice little NIT run, they were pretty bummed. And I bet they would have taken a first-round exit to yep. be in the big dance. So, anyway, we covered a lot today. One hour and four, five minutes worth. <laughs> so Sorry, we get rambling. Yeah. <laughs> Lots to talk about though. We haven't we haven't talked on this in a long time. So uh we'll make it a little uh, easier next time. We'll make it shorter and, and easier and we'll start getting in a rhythm here once we get into the summer. So maybe a special guest or two. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. So anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh check back next week for the next Roaring Repeater podcast. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.